Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to the Kennedy Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Allison, and today is going to be a super fun Q&A episode. It's been a minute since I did one of those and kind of gave my opinions on some things and hear from you guys and make it the whole episode of just questions, which is actually tons of fun for me. So we're going to get to that. But first, let's get to our in the news segment. Big news story of the past seven days. So according to MassLive.com, the Kennedy family sold 32 acres to Martha's Vineyard Land Bank for $10 million. As many of us know, Caroline Schlossberg and the entire family listed Redgate Farms for sale back in 2019, which was basically a private retreat for Jackie Kennedy. And it was from 1978 until 1994. So they listed it for sale, made this really beautiful video to go along with it. And I'm actually going to insert a clip right now from that video. Martha's Vineyard will always be a part of our lives, but it's time for us to follow my mother's example and create our own worlds. We hope that another family will treasure this place as we have. And we are excited about the next chapter for Redgate Farm. So although they had the $65 million asking price on it, they had long said that they really didn't want it to become something that was developed. They wanted it to be an undeveloped property. So they ended up selling it to Martha's Vineyard Land Bank for $10 million, which added to a purchase of last year, 304 acres that they had bought that was known as Squib Knocket Pond Reservation. The deal is that they will pay the family $3 million in cash, and they've signed a promissory note to pay a $1 million per year for seven years. And they were longtime competitors, apparently, and they were glad that they were able to come to terms with the family. So that's what happened with the property. And if you want to read more about it, go check it out. Next is our inspiring clip of the week. One of the inspiring notes. Here's a clip of Timothy Shriver speaking at the JFK Library. We're talking yeah. the early 60s. It was camp in your backyard. Right. And now it's a massive international organization yes. known as the Special Olympics. That's a really short period of time. And to a large degree, I would think, because of how the message of the Special Olympics resonates with people. Yeah. How do you articulate that message? And why do you think it resonates with well, people? Well, I spent 250 pages well, I know. <laughs> That's why trying I to articulate it. And obviously, I didn't get it quite down to a sentence or a sound bite. Uh, it's interesting because there's a lot of Special Olympics people here, if, if you were to ask that question of all the people in the room, you, you'd probably get a uh, hundred different answers. Uh, the idea, um, but, but you're right. If you go to China, if you go to India, if you go to Malawi, if you go to Peru, if you go to Mexico, France, or Germany, and you go to a Special Olympics event, you will find it swarming with volunteers of every different geography, culture, political persuasion, religion. Uh, I was in Syria a few years ago with tens of thousands of people helping in Damascus, uh, volunteering nationwide to help create big games there. And you could say the same thing in Cuba. You could say the same thing in China. You could say the same thing. Uh, I was in Malawi just a little while ago, one of the poorest countries on Earth. Um, and yet the volunteers are there. I think 
uh, in the end, I think the, the conclusion of this book, it, to me, is that when we cross a line of misunderstanding and fear with, uh, and make a connection, a relationship with someone who, at some level, scares us, at some level scares us, and heal the fear, uh, we get back ourselves so much less afraid, so much more joyful, so much more able to fulfill our own distinct missions. And so I think so many people in this room came maybe once, five, seven, 10, 12, 14 years ago, maybe you're a mom or a dad and you chanced upon this community uh, in an unlikely way, but you probably had some moment at which you said, wow, this is more fun than I can have just about anywhere else, and I like me here more than I like me elsewhere. <laughs> uh, I'm a better me here. Uh, I'm more free. I feel less judged. I feel less encumbered. Uh, I feel validated by other people. Um, I feel accepted. Now, the idea that a person with Down syndrome, who has been, most of whom, have such a tough time, or autism, have such a tough time finding a place of acceptance. The idea that they are the agents of the, um, if you will, the freeing of uh, the rest of us, if there is a them and an us, which I don't even like the language, I think there's only us. I think that's what you learn at Special Olympics. There's only us. All right, let's get started. I love these kinds of episodes because I typically don't give my opinion much on things. I just like to give you guys the facts as well as I can possibly find them and keep my opinion out of it. So every once in a while, it's kind of fun to hear from you guys questions directed towards me about things that I think about the Kennedys or, you know, the future of the podcast, things like that. So it was just fun. I, I like it every once in a while. So um, I'm going to get started with the first one. Therefore, an answer to your question it was, have you tried or had any success in getting a Kennedy on your podcast? You know, I think in the early stages of the podcast, I reached out just in like DMs and stuff to random people before I really kind of knew what I was doing. Not that I really know now, but I've, I, I know, understand a little bit more. Um, I think I maybe had sent a couple DMs like, hey, would love to have you on kind of rookie stuff and obviously did not receive any feedback. I think I only reached out to one or two of the family members. So. I'm going to go ahead and say no. I haven't really tried at this point. I actually started making a list of people who I'd really, really like to speak to. And there's obviously some family members on that list. And I've been in the process of trying to find their publicity contacts and stuff to reach out and properly ask if they would be willing to come on the podcast. I did actually send a message during uh, the obviously current parole of Sirhan Sirhan stuff. I got an email from RFK human rights. And there was an email address on it for how to contact the family about the case, basically. And so I did contact that email and ask if anyone or someone representing the Kennedys would like to come on and speak on what they're trying to accomplish by not letting Sirhan Sirhan get released. And I received an email back saying that they're not speaking to anyone right now, but if they do, then they've got my contact and we'll reach back out. So that was kind of a positive thing that they would actually, you know, respond to me. But otherwise, no, I haven't really tried hard enough to get a Kennedy on. Um, I'm going to work on it. That's my answer. That was a really long answer for a really short question. <laughs> Okay, this one is next up. Because JFK relied so much on pills to do daily activities, could he be considered an addict? 
I feel like that's kind of subjective. I guess that just kind of depends on uh, your opinion of addiction and stuff. I would say that, of course, he had to have been addicted to the medications he was on because he couldn't really function without them. Um, I also do think that it was a very different time in, you know, pharmaceuticals and things, opioids and very intense medications were doled out a lot easier than they are now. (laughs) And I don't think addiction was as known then. I didn't, I don't think that reliance on medications would have been as much of a um, crisis then, or at least not known about than it is now. I may be a little uneducated speaking on that, but from the episode that I did on JFK's health, which if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to it. I did a full episode on, uh, on him. I definitely think that he had to have been relying on medications to get his daily activities done. Do I think that I can speak on if he was an addict or not? Probably not. But like I just said, I think he would have had to take he he felt reliant on the medication. So if that's the definition of addict, then maybe so. Another question. When do we get to know what your book is about? Love this question. I don't know. I haven't decided yet when you guys can know. The reason I haven't told is because I haven't seen it done anywhere else. And so I'm kind of holding my cards closed because I don't want somebody to steal my idea. <laughs> I don't think that anybody would, but I mean, who knows? Maybe somebody that could, you know, write, write a book real fast might take the idea. <laughs> I don't know. I'm kind of in my head about it. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'll announce the topic soon enough as soon as we're in such pl- preliminary we're in such preliminary stages right now that I, it's just not time for me to announce what it's about yet. But uh, when it gets a little farther down the road, of course, I'll let you guys know. And I hope you'll be as excited about it as I am. Next question. Do you think Ethel is controversial? Good question. I think, I don't know about controversial as much as I think she seems to have a demeanor of either you love her or you hate her kind of person because she's a very strong-willed human. I used to, back in the day, I may have already said this before. I don't know. I may have already said all of this before. Okay, it's hard to keep track of what I say now. But I used to, back in the day, actually not be the biggest Ethel fan. But hold on. hold Wait with me. Keep listening. Back in the day, I had just read some negative press about her and some bad things about her. And then it was when I watched the Ethel documentary and dug a little deeper into her life that I actually formed a very deep respect for her. She's gone through lots of trials and lots of just horrible times in her life and just has, with, in my opinion, a lot of grit and grace kind of raised herself up out of it and kept on going and raising a family and doing all things. So I really admire her. Uh, Some people may not feel that way. I feel like a lot of the Kennedy family members and a lot of people just in general are controversial human beings. I feel like people that are doing something, whether it be have a platform or speaking out, especially on things that the Kennedys do, their calls to public service and speaking out for and against things. I feel like anybody that uses their voice is going to be controversial to some people. So sure, I think she's controversial, but maybe in a good way. This is an interesting one that I like to think about a lot. It says, I wonder how JFK and RFK would see the world how it is today if they were alive. Which that's interesting because uh, then you can kind of go back and think for a minute, oh, well, you know, if they had lived, would things have been different than they are today? I mean, we're never going to live in a perfect world by any means. But I wonder if a lot of the things that uh, we're dealing with today, they could have had a big part in 
helping along. I, I don't know. I mean, there were also, I think it's very easy to look back on the good old days and think that things were just peachy keen, but they also just didn't have a 24-hour news cycle in their face telling them what was wrong all the time like we do. I'm not saying that's necessarily good or bad. I'm just saying we're so in the know. And back then they weren't as in the know. You had, you know, some nightly news and a no- newspaper to keep you up to date. And that was even filtered through. So even with all of that, <laughs> they still had so many scary things happen. I mean, hello, Cuban Missile Crisis. You know, there were there were things that were happening at every time in our history. There's never just been a perfect time ever. So if they were looking at today, I tend to think that they would just face what was going on today head on and try to tackle all the injustices just like they did way back when. It's an interesting question to think about. I would actually love to know your answers to that question. D and me. What do you think JFK and RFK would think about the world today? How do you think they would see it? I would love to know other people's opinion on that. Next up, I got a question asking to tell how they celebrated different holidays and specifically Halloween in the White House, which I actually love this idea. So I'm not going to do it as a question. I'm actually going to make an episode out of Halloween's at the White House because I've read some really funny stories of just different different traditions that they had or different ways that they celebrated without getting noticed while they were living in the White House. So I just thought it would be a really good idea for an episode. So you'll catch that near the end of the month, probably, since it is spooky season. Here's one I get a lot, too. Why do you think Jackie put up with Jack's womanizing? You know, I've talked about a while back in my Jack and Jackie relationship podcast, the fact that Jackie actually did try to leave Jack for his infidelity for a while. And then basically their family sat down and made a business deal saying, hey, you're not leaving. Here's money, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I think they obviously had some business in their marriage, money and ties and things like that. But also at the end of the day, I do truly believe in my heart that Jack and Jackie had a respect for each other. Jack had said that she was such a unique, intelligent, wonderful woman. He could never meet or marry anyone like her. She had such a reverence for him and a respect for him despite his shortcomings. So I think they just kind of, despite obvious marriage struggles that they had, I I think they just fought through those. And especially after baby Patrick tragically passed, they apparently were really close in their marriage after that, really bonded together in some of their best times. And I think that they just drew close and saw through a lot of it. I think she dealt with his womanizing and sometimes probably didn't deal with it. They probably had tons of issues, as we've read about. But towards the end, they just kind of went with it. She wanted to be with him and he's all, he, she loved him and chose to be his wife despite that. Who is a Kennedy you'd like to learn more about? Oh, this is tough. I haven't really dug into Sergeant Shriver, and I know he did some amazing things. And so that is a Kennedy, which he's not really a Kennedy because he married in, but still, I I consider him in the realm. I'd love to dig into his life a little bit and learn more about him and everything that he did. And I'm going to put that on my list actually right now to do that soon. So I'll have an episode on him. Another question asking me if I believe in a conspiracy surrounding the JFK assassination. I've said before, but I'll say again, I don't really feel like I'm well-read enough about the assassination. I mean, I've obviously watched lots of documentaries and whatnot, but I feel like I would really have to pour hours into research about the assassination to make an educated, you know, assumption about it or to throw anything out. I'm torn a little bit. There is a documentary I watched that drew into the government conspiracy kind of stuff, and it's very easy to believe when it's all put together that it could be that. But then I hear the... Secret Service members that were actually there the day of saying that they just think it's so ridiculous that anyone even would 
think that there's a conspiracy because they were there and it's obviously was one man acting alone and whatnot. There's just so much contradicting there that I just don't feel like I can choose a theory at this point in my life. But I would love I have I have a dream eventually to, you know, study this more. I've always said that I'm not gonna be an assassination theory podcast. I'm not gonna focus in on one thing about the Kennedys because I feel like that's what I wanted out of this podcast was to be about their family as a whole because when I went to find a podcast about them to learn more it didn't exist that there was one about all the Kennedys tying all kinds of different stories and you know positive things about them sometimes some you know negative things that happened but just a full scope about their lives everything was just very focused on you know conspiracy theories or uh, JFK Jr.'s plane crash, things like that. So I just want to keep my podcast as broad spectrum about their entire history. But that's not to say that I won't eventually study really closely into the assassination and give a better answer to this question. I actually did start listening on Audible to the Warren Commission being read out loud. It's a lot of hours, but I'm already quite a few hours in. So maybe when I finish that and study a little more outside of the Warren Commission, because I know a lot of people don't believe in their findings at all. But after I listen to all that, study a little more outside of it, other theories, then I'll report back on that. Ah, my foot fell asleep. Y'all, I'm going to pause for a second and give you a little idea of where I sit for my podcast just a little break. I literally am sitting in my closet because it's the quietest place in my house. So I sit on the ground. I'm on like wood floor on the ground. My laundry hamper's right next to me. There's some suitcases in front of me, sweatshirts hanging above me. I use my husband's Pelican case to put the audio recorder on and my mic. And then I've got my phone that has my notes on it. Normally I have my computer, but phone today. So then sometimes half the time my feet are fully asleep while I'm recording. Um, but I just let you in. I just kind of broke the fourth wall a little bit <laughs> for my foot adjustment to move out from under my body because it's about to fall off if I don't. So, yeah, I am living the glamorous podcaster's lifestyle over here. So hit me up if you need a studio to record in. I've got one for you. That was a joke. Don't call me. It's my closet and no one's coming in here. Last question. Oh, man, y'all, my foot is so asleep. It's like, oh, wow. Do you ever sit on it so long and your limb falls so asleep that you're like, I don't think it's ever going to wake up? It's in that moment where it's like, I don't even know how to wake it up. That's what's that's what's happening. I'm like, um, what's your face? Uma Thurman and Kill Bill, like trying to wiggle my toe. If you don't get that reference, you need to go watch Kill Bill immediately because it's an incredible film. Okay. All right. Back to the questions. Last question. Is Caroline as cold as she appears or is it just shyness? This is an interesting question. And I normally wouldn't even take this one because I really like Caroline a lot. But I will speak to it because I can see how someone could think that she may be cold. But I think personally that Caroline is very private about her family and very dedicated to keeping a very positive scope and outlook on their legacy and furthering their legacy. And I think that she does an incredible job doing so. I really, really do. I think she doesn't speak out on a lot of things because she doesn't want to become someone who is, I mean, she gives her like political opinions and things like that. But I mean, she doesn't talk about familial controversies. She's, you don't see her kids in the news, really. You don't see things like that because I think she does a really, really good job keeping everything very respectable around her family's name as much as she possibly can. And I don't know, I just really, really admire her for that. I don't even really think she's shy. I think she just 
keeps to herself in the ways that she should and speaks out in the ways that she should and does exactly what I think her, if I had to guess, her mother would have wanted as far as, you know, just really respecting the legacy and um, carrying it on how she should. So I, I respect her so much. I hope one day to meet her. Wouldn't it be crazy to like interview her? I don't know if she'd do that because she's very private, like I said, but I don't know. I just really, really, really love her and respect her. So no, I, do, I don't personally think she's cold and I don't think she's shy. I think she's respectful and intentional. Hope you enjoyed this episode. If you don't agree with any of my opinions, that's totally okay. I love I love when people disagree with me and, you know, different opinions are what make the world go around. So if you want to share your opinion with me on any of these questions, I would love to hear it. Just DM me and we can have a little conversation about it. Make sure you're following me on Instagram at Kennedy Dynasty. Check out the links in the description of this episode. I've got a really cozy fall sweatshirt that you would love. I will link it below. And that is all I've got. I will talk to you guys soon. Come on and vote for Kennedy, vote for Kennedy, keep America strong. Kennedy, he just keeps rolling up. Kennedy, he just keeps rolling up. Kennedy, he just keeps rolling along. Vote for Kennedy. Hello. My name is Peter Zablocki, and I'm a historian, author, and college professor. I'm thrilled to invite you to check out Evergreen Network's History Shorts podcast. Every Tuesday and Thursday, join me on a journey through time, exploring the little-known and hidden gems of history. In each bite-sized episode, I'll dive into my original research to bring you intriguing historical curiosities you've probably never heard of, uncovering the fascinating stories that have shaped our world, from forgotten figures to overlooked events. And the best part? I've condensed all this historical goodness into manageable chunks, perfect for your on-the-go lifestyle. Whether you're commuting to work or squeezing in a quick break, History Shorts fits into the little time you probably think you don't have. Subscribe now and never miss an episode of the History Shorts podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts.